I'm in the usual room in Capital One Arena. I'm wondering how long I will be in this room because tonight was the first night with the new media restrictions in the NBA. And I'm, I'm just I'm wondering how long we're going to be doing this with like other people in the arena, considering how quickly this is going. But I am in this room and I'm sitting in this room. I'm Fred Katz, by the way. I cover the Wizards for The Athletic. and I'm the host of Wizards After Dark, and I am sitting in this room following a 122 to 115 Wizards win over the Knicks six to eight feet away from Mike Workinoff, who covers the Knicks for The Athletics. For The Athletic, not The Athletics. I, I do not play for The Athletics. I'm not, this is not a <laughs> Kyler Murray situation where I write and play <laughs> baseball. Uh, I think we're more like six to eight inches away if we're going to be real about it and let the, the listeners in. Okay, so the NBA had the restrictions of like the media's got to be six to eight feet away from the players. Yeah. And we're both very anxious about the coronavirus stuff. So, Hardly so. Yeah, so, so I've like talked on Twitter, not a ton, a little bit, about how much being in the locker room can help your coverage and all that stuff. That was more just to kind of speak with – because some other people had come out and said, no, nah, you don't need to be in the locker room. And I think that's horribly untrue. And that was more to just protest against that. I understand the NBA doing this. I actually think the NBA could be doing a lot more than just six to eight feet. But you know what my problem with the 68, six to eight foot restriction is being away from players? You can't be six to eight. You can't be at least six to eight feet away from someone. If you're at least six to eight feet away from someone, you're just at least six feet away from someone. <laughs> If you say – you either say that you have to be at least six feet away from someone or you have to be six to eight feet from someone. And they can't mean you have to be six to eight feet from someone because that means I just have to like go home with Thomas Bryant. Like I got to be, be like, oh, I guess I can't go home because that will be more than eight feet away from Thomas Bryant. And they s- clearly don't mean that. So it's just at least six feet. Why is it at least six to eight feet? If you're seven feet, you're at least six feet away. So what is this? It's weird. I look – I – this that's, is all, that's infuriating. This is also arbitrary and seemingly feckless against, like, the real issue. And I think if you follow me on Twitter, I don't know, Fred, how much you've gotten into it, but I feel like I'm an alarmist on Twitter in the last, like, two days and how, like, no one is actually responding the correct way by no one. I mean the sports leagues. And, uh, everyone. Yeah, and, and everyone in dealing with this. And this whole six, six – at least six feet away, but I guess no more than eight feet away uh, is the – what the NBA has decided is the appropriate length. We just need to lie down like Mitchell Robinson onto the ground and say, okay, no one's – you go shoes, you go ahead. Like, we'll go there. Um, I don't know what it was like for you for the Wizards today. Today was like kind of semi a disaster for the Knicks because like in the morning we, you know, we sat like six to eight feet away and I tried to listen to the audio afterward and I couldn't hear anything because like it was still practice going on. And we waited like 45 minutes post game to try to talk to people. And it was just this awkward situation. I don't know. But if it's just, it's going to be weird. And you're right. I don't know how long we're going to be doing this. Right now we're in this like magical media room of requirement in uh, the Wizards arena. And I I think some, they've reported that Wednesday morning, maybe when you're listening to this, the NBA and team trainers are going to have this conference call about what's going on and where to proceed from here. So this is, this is all uncharted territory for us. Yeah. I mean, you look at the acceleration of this in other places, and it makes you wonder how much longer we're going to be doing this with no fans. Tim Kawakami from the Athletic Bay Area just tweeted that tonight's Warriors game is probably going to be the last sporting event in that area of the country where they actually have fans there. Um, you know, the Ivy League tournament was canceled. A bunch of other college tournaments are, are moving to no fans. So 
I wonder if and when the NBA picks up on that. And I don't know what happens with, with media from there. But let's um, – whatever weird stuff is going on in the world, yeah. bad stuff, just weird stuff. The Knicks are involved? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's not what I was going to say. <laughs> Even though it's a little true. Um, but I uh, – whenever weird stuff is going on in the world, I like – like I'm a – Listeners of the podcast know I'm a huge baseball fan. Yeah. I've, I've mentioned Troy O'Leary's 1997 nice. stats on this podcast Pretty before. That's how, yeah. yeah, good left fielder. That's how, that's how deep I'm cutting with this. Um, and when I, like, go for my Yankees coverage in, like, when the world's in a weird place, I just want Yankees coverage. Yeah. Like, I don't want to hear what Aaron Judge's thoughts are on coronavirus. Like, I understand why it's important, but, like yeah. – I want I want some some analysis of Garrett Cole's first start. Sure. You know, like I, I want the baseball stuff. That's that's fun, and I think that's what sports are for. So, uh, unless like crazy newsworthy stuff happens moving forward, I just kind of want to talk about basketball on the podcast from now on. And I'll have a couple of like maybe one or two uh, coronavirus related things coming up that I'm writing because I think it's it's still necessary to a degree. But like on the podcast, let's just talk hoops. Let's talk weird basketball stuff because I think that serves the public better. We don't have anything to say that they can't get anywhere else. Yeah, let's talk Wizards-Knicks. 122-115. Uh, Bradley Beal had 27 in the second half and 20 in the third quarter and uh, remains very good at playing basketball. Uh, Candace, Candace Buckner was asking people. She asked Scott Brooks pregame, Thomas Bryant uh, pregame as well, and she asked Bradley Beal postgame. About Bradley Beal, all NBA related stuff. Uh-huh. Never too early to start talking about end of sure. season awards. Not making All Star and making All NBA is actually more common than you would think. How many How many guys do you think in the history of the NBA have not made All Star but made All NBA in the same season? Okay, so I saw one guy that was up in your tweets. So that's literally the only one guy I can mention. But just give me a number. How many times? Have I, you would, I would guess. Not how many guys. How many seasons has it happened in? I would guess that this happened less than five times, fewer than five times, because I think that the way that NBA voting for these awards, there's kind of a group think involved, and it's also usually bending towards the stars. And so I would think you you probably have to be a big enough name to make the All-Star team and then also make the All-NBA team at the end of the year. So your guess is it's happened five times that a player fewer is not – Right, fewer than five times yeah. that a player has not, made, has not made All-Star but then made All-NBA. Yeah. I would have guessed something around there too. Maybe I would have guessed a little more because I could think like in recent years they don't do front court guys on right. – they just do front court guys I should say. No centers on All-Star but they do centers on All-NBA. So that throws it off. So I remember like DeAndre Jordan made it. Yeah. Gobert did it a couple of times. I think Tyson Chandler also. It's happened like 60-something times. Really? Yeah. It's like not that – it's 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 like a not a common thing yeah. but but – but it, it, it's not this crazy, unbelievable thing. Like, it happened with Damian Lillard. It's happened with another a number of other obviously really good guards. In, we? No, we are good. Uh, if we did... And I heard a rustling at the door, and I'm just like, wait, are we locked in here for the night? Keep us away from the germs. Yeah, sure. We're quarantined. Our panic room. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I was so surprised. It was that many times. Where, like, Lillard did it. That one time he famously didn't make All-Star. Somebody... Somebody made the point to me on Twitter, which I hadn't really thought about, but it was a really good point. And I'm sorry if you listen to this podcast and I, I just don't remember your handle or your name. Um, said, you know, sometimes it's just that like 
with Lillard, not making All-Star might have helped him yeah. make All-NBA. Because with Lillard, he didn't make it, and there was this kind of this similar reaction. Lillard kind of had a similar reaction to what Brad and his people did after not making All-Star. And the public reaction was kind of similar to where it was like, whoa, how'd this guy not make All-Star? And then he had a tremendous final 35 games of the year. And there was all this momentum already on making All-NBA. And it's really hard for Brad to make All-NBA. There are a lot of great guards this year. But I thought that was an interesting parallel. Very good point, And I think it's worth mentioning. Well, I think it's two different voting bases too, right? The people who vote for the All-Stars and the people that vote for the All-NBA team. So I think that's worth examining as well. It's, for sure. It used to be the fans who like starters and I think it was coaches and players who picked the reserves. And now we've got some kind of weird amalgam of those and the media. And, but it's only media that votes for the All-NBA. So they could probably play into it too. It's just differing opinions from all those groups. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Bill was, I think, fifth in the media voting for guards. He was ninth in the fam vote and second in the player vote. And he's he's been unquestionably better. I mean, he had 40 again tonight. This is, I think, his 11th 40-point game of the year. Many of those have come since he didn't make the All-Star game. I mean, he's, he's averaging since he didn't make All-Star, or a little bit before, since like January 26th or something like that, he's averaging 36 a game. On very efficient scoring, on like 49, 40, 85 shooting or something. I mean, really efficient basketball, almost 10 free throws a game. And he's just been hot from everywhere. He's getting the line amazingly well. He's making his free throws. Uh, he's getting, he's, and, and he's, he's shooting really well from three. He talked about how he reworked his footwork a little bit, reworked his form. He's, he's doing really well on that front. And I don't know. Should we go through the guards? See if this is really a possible thing. Actually do some real analysis as opposed to just being like Homer, like Bradley Beal is all NBA or, or no, or being just extremely anti. Bradley Beal's not all NBA. Should we do some yeah, real let's analysis? Yeah, let's do it. We got yeah, six okay. spots. Okay, we're gonna, this is so raw. Call up, your, call up your phone. If people want to know how professional of an operation this is, we are in, a, in, a, in, this, in this back room, as I describe it, the large brick white wall room with no windows and, and no nothing, sitting on two chairs. And just speaking into my phone, and Mike is currently just like Googling, Google the NBA standings, just so we have a, a nice reminder of, of who the guards are. Because first, I called up the, I'm bringing up the All Star rosters. I okay. feel like that's a pretty good place to start. That's a good place to start, sure. Um, if it loads quickly enough. But so, so first team guards are. I know Harden hasn't been scoring well lately, but I feel like Harden. I think I mean he's an MVP candidate, even still at this point. I would say. Uh, I wouldn't say he's that honestly. You think he's falling off? As an MVP candidate, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think one, two is right. If the season ends, you know what? People always like say. Top five, I'm saying. Top five. He's in the top five. People always say this hypothetical if the season ends today. Yeah. But like, actually, <laughs> actually, the season might end today. Um, if the season ends today, I mean, I think it's Giannis, LeBron, one, two for sure. Right. Um, I would put Luca ahead of Harden probably. This is while doing no research, by the way. Um, and for what it's worth, I did have a vote last year. Um, but I'll put Luca ahead of Harden. Yeah, that's fair. I might put Kawhi ahead of Harden. Well, here are the guards that made it for the All-Star game. As you said, they're outliers like Brad- Bradley Beal. But we have Kemmer Walker, Trey Young, Kyle Lowry, Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, James Harden, Luka Doncic, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, Damian Lillard, and Donovan Mitchell. Uh, and Devin Booker was the last one in. So okay. Those so are now, the guards. So now you got Kemba has missed time. Yeah. Lillard has missed time. Yeah. Harden's falling off a little bit, but he's making it. 
He's right. a lock. So he's who are the locks? He's a lock. Luca's a lock. I think Dame's going to end up being a lock. I think yeah. I think Lillard's a lock. Yeah. Um, I think Kyle Lowry might make it. Kyle Lowry should make it. I voted for Kyle Lowry to start the All Star game. That team is forty six and eighteen. The dude's having an incredible year. He's a two way player. Kyle Lowry has been excellent. I kind of want to put Chris Paul on there because I just watch him play and carve up the Knicks, and that yeah. guy is just—he's like, a, like a master, just working like the piano or something. It's amazing to watch him play. Chris Paul's been one of the best fourth quarter scorers in the league this year. You look at that Thunder lineup, that three point guard lineup with him and Schroeder and uh, and SGA. You know that lineup has like a plus thirty net rating right now when they when they do that with. Uh, with Gallinari and Adams, it's the best five-man lineup in the league. And that's because they run it in crunch time, and he takes over. They have, like, yeah. the best the best clutch team in the league this year, and it's – you look at it. And I'm a big believer in in the, the numerical side of this. Clutch stats are not necessarily replicable, but I'm also a big believer in when you vote on awards – you don't vote on, vote on what would have happened if you played out the season this particular way 100 times. You just vote on what actually happened. Of course. And what's actually happened through 60, 60 games of this season is that Chris Paul has been one of the absolute best clutch players in the league in games that matter. I think that means something. So, yeah, I mean, if you're putting Chris Paul on there, if you're putting Lowry on there, you're putting Lillard, you're putting Luka, and you're putting Harden, that's five. There's one spot left. Yeah. And now Brad's in the same position that he was last year when he got the most votes of anybody who didn't make All-NBA last year. And I wonder if he's going to be stuck in that same bridesmaids of the NBA spot. I think I would would have him as the sixth guard right now. I think him and Chris Paul are probably five and six or third team. I'd give it to him over Trey Young. I think Trey Young has great numbers, but obviously the Hawks are just not winning at all. I think the Wizards probably have. How many more wins do the Wizards have than the Hawks? Five more wins at least? That sounds right. Um, Trey Young defensively, just you know, nowhere near Bradley Beal's class. I think really probably his competition is going to be Russell Westbrook, don't you think? Russell Westbrook has been unbelievable I think for he's a, a month and a half. I think Russell Westbrook's a seven. <laughs> that that that's amazing because he, he kind of is. Well, like to me, he's uh, okay. So I, I he gets guarded by centers a lot now. I facetiously say that if you can't shoot in the NBA now, you're a center, <laughs> right? And like Russell Westbrook, you know how they have dive like centers. He's the first ever dive point guard, and that's kind of what he is, right? Like he just attacks the rim relentlessly. He is just unbelievable in that way. But I think there's some limitations to him, and he's playing for the first time as a true number two in a really long time. And uh, I mean, he's taking a lot of shots, and the Rockets are having a good year. But I, I would probably put Bradley Beal ahead of him just because he's labor. He's hold. He's the one who's holding up the Wizards, even if they're not having as good a year as the Rockets. You know what's going to hurt Brad? If so, for All Star, Jimmy Butler was only eligible at forward, and the NBA makes the positional determinations. Yeah. Jimmy Butler was only eligible as a front court guy. If the NBA makes Jimmy Butler either a guard or or a forward slash guard. That is going to hurt Beal because Jimmy Butler is probably making it. He's He's been really, really, really good this year on a team that's really good, and he's probably making it. Also, like, let's not discount Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons. But he's out. He's going to miss so much time. We don't know when he's going to be back. I mean, yeah, you're right. He misses you're right. Two, two months. You're right. If I'm talking about Kemba missing time, you're right. You're Do right. you have a vote? They haven't sent it out yet, but okay. I, have one, I have one last year. You had one last year. Yeah. Okay. And, my educated guess is I will because the Washington Post doesn't 
vote for awards by policy. Okay. And they usually try to get at least one person, at least one beat writer from every market. So my guess is I probably will. I had one last year and I had an all-star vote. So. so let me put you on the spot then. What are your six cards? Since you will have this vote. Completely off the top of my head. Totally off the top of my head. First team's I'm not, and and I'm not committing to any of this because it's both March 10th and because I haven't done any research on this yet. But because don't the season may actually end yeah, cause the tomorrow. Because the season may end tomorrow and let's just say they, they, ask, for, they ask for my vote tomorrow too. Everyone wants a 60-game season. We're getting it apparently. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Harden Luca. Right. Dame and... Lowry. Yeah. Lowry's been awesome. Yes, he's been amazing. That Raptors team has been just unbelievable. Lowry's the most important player on the Raptors. Yeah. People talk about Siakam. Siakam's a really good player. He'll probably make all league too. But man, Lowry's the heart of that team. Yeah. And I think that matters. He he is he always makes the right play. Always. And, like, on a team of guys who just always seem to make the right play and the reason they win is because they always seem to make the right play, that's the dude who's setting the tone for everybody else always making the right play. You know? They're really well coached. Nick Nurse is a great coach. He's got a really good coach of the year case. Um, but I think Lowry deserves it. I think yeah. he's been excellent. So I, I'm, I'm Lowry statistical argument aside, and there's a good statistical argument for him. Uh, I'll go Lowry. So you got two Dame. Spots Off the top of my head, I, I think I think Chris Paul might deserve it. Westbrook, if Westbrook did what he's been doing for the entire last two months or whatever it's been, month and a half, if he's been doing that for the whole year, I would deem him worthy. But off again, off the top of my head, I don't know if the I don't know if that is enough to override his first two months when he really struggled. Yeah. Like at the time of him making All Star, we were talking about how we were surprised that he made All Star because he'd was. only really been playing well for two weeks at that point, and him only being like a reputation All Star and Devin Booker, you know, making it over him. Devin Booker, by the way, we should have mentioned should be in. The, I guess you did mention him should be in the conversation. So I think Beal Beal has played better. Over this stretch that Russell's played better, but Beal was better for the beginning part of the year than Westbrook was. And and I don't know how much this is factor into the decision. This isn't me saying this does factor into the decision. It's me thinking out loud and something I have to think about over the next month before I send in my vote if I have one, which is Westbrook is playing well because he has a team that is now completely catered to him after they traded Capella. Yeah. Like they they decided okay, we can't have Clint Capella there because Westbrook doesn't shoot threes and can't make threes. And we, with the way we play, can't afford to have two non-three-point shooters on the floor. It will mess up our defense and it will mess up the way that James Harden has played. I think James Harden is better when he has a lob guy to throw to. And Russ obviously can't be that lob guy because he's not actually a center. But like this team has been so specifically catered to the way Russell Westbrook plays but they haven't been amazing since. And so I wonder how much, they haven't been bad since, but they haven't been amazing. And so I wonder if 
if I should just say like, hey, you know what? If I if it should fall under the category of like, don't do like what I was saying before. Don't do what it would be if it played out over a hundred times. Just do what happened. And what happened is Russ played really well. Or if I should say like, he's doing it well, but in the most extreme scenario of a roster being catered to him. But then also like, if I'm going to play devil's advocate with myself, like, so is Giannis, you know? Well, I, I think there's two differences. I think the fact that for Russ to succeed, the team almost has to be compromised in some way to lift him up. And that happened in Oklahoma City too, right? Like they could only play one way, the Russ way, where he was the center point of everything. And they almost had to switch Houston to that in a way too and go super small and try to make that work. And he's been able to make it work because he's so good. Um, I think the Giannis thing is different because Giannis is the complete driver of that entire team. He doesn't have a teammate like James Harden, right? Like he's the offensive driver. He's the defensive driver in a lot of ways. Like he does everything for that team and he's pretty much good at everything except for shooting threes. But that, that isn't such a glaring hole where it really puts a ceiling on the bucks where I think it, it did for the thunder. And I don't know, maybe it will for the Rockets in the playoffs when teams are like, okay, whatever, we'll give yeah. you five threes a game. I don't really care about the what it does in the I, playoffs or not. Like regular season award, I'm going to vote yeah. on, on what happened this regular season. I don't really care about Thunder stuff in the past, but I don't really know the answer to that. And like you can't use that argument to detract from Giannis not being first. Giannis and LeBron are clearly your first team forwards for all NBA, uh, without a doubt. Yeah. In my mind, at least. Uh but I don't know. Am I a hypocrite if I don't use that argument in an MVP conversation when I say Giannis is my MVP? Like, because that's kind of stepping it up a level. And now all of a sudden, sure. you're an MVP one and two is almost always you got a nitpick or something because right. you're talking about the two best seasons in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I have to think about that. Now I would say I would pick Beal over Russ because of Russ's slower start to the year. And, um, you know, I think that that other part does play a little bit of something in it, but well, let me ask I don't you, know. you, you watch Beal night after night. I think the one thing that I've noticed from watching from afar is like, sometimes he's, his shooting inefficiency seems like a problem. Like tonight he was 11 of 25. He's shooting 45%. <laughs> How you doing, sir? He's shooting 45% for the year. Uh, he was shooting 47 last year. His effective field goal percentage is below the league average this season. And I thought the Knicks, I think it was Bobby Portis who kind of put it interesting. He's, you know, when asked about Bradley Beal, he's like, yeah, we know he's going to take shots. He's going to miss a few and just can keep on shooting. So sometimes he seems like he shoots his way through games and that's how he gets to 40 points, uh, which you can do when you're by far the alpha on a like meh to below meh team. Um, I would say that's the big argument against him, but he's getting to the line two and a half more right. times per per night than he did last season, and he's so good there. And like tonight, he got there sixteen times, hit fourteen free throws, so that almost makes up for it in a way. I think it does make up for it. Like you look at the, I don't love effective field goal percentage because it doesn't count in free throws, and like getting to the free throw line is a skill. Yeah, And his true shooting percentage is pretty much online where it was last year. Last time I checked, I think it was, it was 58 last year. I think it's about 58 this year. It was five, 58.1 last year. It's 57.8 entering tonight. Great. So same thing, essentially. Maybe it goes up a little bit after tonight. Yeah, it probably did. He had 40 on 25 shots. So I'd imagine that it did. And that takes him free throws. And like Bradley Beal is not getting flukish free throws. Bradley Beal is very skilled in getting to the line. I've talked about it on this podcast a lot. It's very intentional. The way he holds up, he does the hard move where he holds the ball out and waits to get slapped and goes up. He's really good at drawing and finishing through contact now. Like he 
as a dude who came into the line as a shooter, he's one of the best. He's one of the best free throw. What's the, foul drawers? There we go. Yeah. There we go. I lost my mind for a second. He's one of the best foul drawers in the league. Now he really is, especially amongst guards. And uh, I think it's a skill, and that gets lost when you talk about effective field goal percentage. Fifty-eight um, percent true shooting is still above league average. League average right now is like fifty-five. So I mean, you're talking about a volume of like a thirty-plus percent usage, like way over thirty yeah. percent usage, on uh, well above efficiency when you factor in league uh, league average efficiency when you factor in the free throws. So, I mean. I agree with Bobby Portis. On nights that he's <laughs> off, he is still going to keep shooting. But he's not really off that much. And nights when, like, his jump shot is off, the uh, nights when the jump shot is off, he, he, he ends up making it work anyway. I just looked it up, 34.3 yeah. percentage. Yeah. I mean, you understand why. You know? Yeah. He's but really... I mean, to, to be able to have that kind of usage at above-average league efficiency, that can really – you look at the Wizards, and they're still top half of the league in offense. And that can really prop up. An offense. That's a lot of offense coming at pretty comfortably above league average efficiency. That's that's a really big thing. Also, like if if you if you do narrow it down to him and Russ, Russ's efficiency is still yeah, it's I mean, still low. They're fifth and sixth. Russ is fifth in the NBA at thirty four point five. Uh, Beal is thirty four point three usage percentage. So they're right there. And Beal is obviously way more efficient than Russ is. What's Russ in the true shooting right now? Exactly. Now this is good right Yeah, now. yeah. Uh, true shooting, 53.7%. Yeah. So he's five, you know, 5% Below the average. better. Yeah, that's a big difference. Yeah. That's not the only reason to vote on it. You got to look a lot more. I look at film on all this crap. Do you? And, oh, yeah. I take it really seriously. I like, when I was growing up, I just thought it would be the coolest thing ever to get an MVP vote in any sport. Yeah. And like, I mean, I... When I was like little, I wanted to be a baseball writer, but I just thought like it would be the coolest thing ever. And I always think back to that, and I'm like, I have to take this so seriously. I every single award I do, I I get horrible anxiety about it. So I'm like, I'm affecting these guys' contracts, their reputations. Like you got a little say in history. Yeah. There are only hundred voters. Like you have a one percent say in history. People reference back to the 2020 MVP. Like if Giannis wins an MVP, people will again. People will reference back to like he's a two-time MVP, and you'll have one percent say in that conversation. Yeah. If you have a vote this year, like that's a doesn't sound like a lot, but that's really important. I think the only award I've ever voted for is the National League Manager of the Year. I think that's the only one I've ever had to say in. I think it was 2015. I want to say who won that year? Oh God, I don't know. Let me look it up. I was covering the Mets for the Star Ledger at the time. Now I have to find this is exciting, exciting oh, yeah. podcasting. Woke up MVP or uh, voting awards. God. So would that have been? Would that have been Mickey Calloway? No, 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 no. Um, or not Mickey Calloway. Um, Terry Collins. I mean, might have been. No, I don't. This is going to take a long time. Can I get back to you on this? This is also just I'm, all, I'm also the guy who didn't vote for Derek Jeter. I just want to say yeah. that right now. That's <laughs> the me. guy who didn't vote for Jeter. If you were the guy who didn't vote for Jeter for the Hall of Fame, you know you'd be banned from this podcast forever. <laughs> I'd never have you on. I mean. But see, like, that affects history. You don't vote for Derek Jeter, and 
everyone will know that's that, that the one dude or woman didn't vote for Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter didn't deserve to be unanimous. Oh. Wow. <laughs> wow. What a horrible take. You know, you know why it's a horrible take? What's that? Well, I'll follow up my six to eight foot. Okay, because then, I, then I've got something that I want to say after you finish your thing. I hate it okay. when people say so-and-so should be a unanimous MVP or so-and-so shouldn't. You only get your vote. Like, you should, if you believe that somebody should be the MVP, then you believe they should be the unanimous MVP because you believe that's the person that should be voted for. Right. If, if you believe that Giannis is the MVP this year, then you believe that Giannis should be the unanimous MVP because you don't believe someone should vote for LeBron. That's I, it. I agree. You, anytime you believe you should vote for anybody, you believe it should be unanimous. This, all this talk of like, no, I think, I think it should be Giannis, but like, I think LeBron should get like 10% of the votes. Like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Because that you would disagree with those individual 10 people who didn't vote for Giannis. So I'm, I'm so on my soapbox about this. And if somebody disagrees with me on this, don't even bother. I, even if your argument is sound, don't even bother tweeting at me because I'm so, so in my feelings about this argument. Two things. One, I actually hate the word take, and I think we should ban it from the sports lexicon. <laughs> That's we just have opinions. That's we just have opinions. Um, two, I think that we should uh, get rid of halls of fame. This is probably my most controversial opinion that Amazing I have. Amazing pluralization. Yeah, get rid of halls of fame. Um, and three, I guess, since we're on it, but we, so I agree with you. I think that if we're gonna do hall of fame voting, like baseball especially, because that's the one that people really get like just super jazzed up about. I think it should work like this. You are on the ballot, your first year of eligibility, and then you're not. And then people get to vote on you again like 10 years afterward because you were either a Hall of Famer or you're not, right? It's just a simple binary choice. You are this. or you aren't. I love this. And so all the stupidity of like, you know, strategic voting, like trying to figure out who's not. Like there's so many people this year who didn't vote for like anyone but Derek Jeter because they thought he should go in alone. Just absurdity to me. But either way, you are or you aren't. So if we're going to have Hall of Fame, you get one vote. And then 10 years later, when we have like a cast of new voters in and maybe time has given us a different perspective on a player, you get to vote again. I do agree with you. Like, it's weird to say someone's a first ballot or not, but, but we've, we've created this, right? Like, we've created this weird archetype of who is and who isn't the first ballot Hall of Famer. And if no one except for Mo Rivera was ever like unanimous, we basically said that you have to be unbelievable at your job to be unanimous. And even like Rivera probably didn't deserve it because he was a closer. So, like, if Ted Williams doesn't get 100% of the vote, no one should get 100% of the vote. And that's me venting about Halls of Fame. I didn't see this podcast fame. going there. Halls of Fame. Amazing, amazing way to pluralize. Yeah. Like Attorneys General. Attorneys General, yeah. Or the Toronto Blues J. <laughs> RSBI. <laughs> I love RSBI. I love saying RSBI just to annoy people. Yeah. That's a great one. People must hate you for that. People for RBI. What's great is, is you say it to someone you don't know that well when you're talking about baseball with them, and you just say RSBI. And it's great because it can be a double whammy because yeah. people hate RSBI also. Yeah. And then they get really annoyed by the pluralization, but like it's not run batted ins. Yeah. Run batted in, RSBI. Why do you people, think people get so like excited about Hall of Fame votes? Like, for two examples, I was because it it's, it matters in history. It's part of the legacy of the sport. I hardly I don't ever, agree with you on that. I hardly ever like tweet about anything 
football wise, but I tweeted like Eli Manning is not a Hall of Famer, and I've never been so hated on on Twitter, and it was amazing. And then I listened to like uh, we have a new baseball podcast called Beyond the Scrum with Mark Craig and Andy McCullough, and there's now a- everything's Beyond the Scrum. I know. <laughs> that went out of style real fast, right? Yeah. Now we have to go. We have to go beyond beyond the scrum. Where does yeah. this go? Six to eight feet beyond the scrum. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like talking about A-Rod as a future Hall of Famer. It's like the most intoxicating conversation you can have as a sports fan is whether someone is a Hall of Famer. And it really actually doesn't matter that much. Nothing matters. That's my take. Yeah. But if things Except matter. Except for Derek Jeter being a unanimous Hall of Famer. Yes. But if, if things matter, then the Hall of Fame matters. I don't agree with you at all. I think we should get rid of it. Get rid of Halls of Fame. That's my, that's my opinion. I do like your voting idea, though. I can kind of get on board with that because I kind of do agree with you. Right? Yeah. I mean, like, why does a guy have to get in his third year? So he wasn't about a Hall of Famer twice and now he is? Yeah. No, I'm with you. Like, eliminate the – in baseball, at least. No one knows how to do it in basketball. But in yeah, baseball – Isn't that weird? Isn't that weird that we have a so Hall of Fame in basketball and no one's like – no one knows who the voters are. No yeah. one knows how people are elected. Every sense. year they name, like, five people and you're just like, Guess all right, choosing. cool. Here are these like literal people behind the screen somewhere choosing who the Hall of Famers are mm-hmm. based on no objective criteria that we know of. And it's just like, poof. Mm-hmm. How come there's no story on that? How come no one knows who the Hall of Fame voters are? Because we don't even know who to ask. Who runs the Hall of Fame? Wizard, Wizard of Oz. It's right? Like, is this just Adam Silver pulling strings and he picks and we don't even know about it? <laughs> it's, it's weird that, um, and it's not the NBA Hall of Fame. No, it's a basketball right. Hall of Fame. But it's a weird juxtaposition that the NBA is so transparent with its awards. Yeah. Like, not only do they tweet out, or not tweet out, not only do they, they make public, you know, how many votes everybody got, but they make public who each voter voted for. And I agree with that. I absolutely think that's the right way to do it. The fact that Baseball Hall of Fame of doesn't do that as a joke. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, we should be accountable for who we vote for. And, like... Please, we're susceptible for group to group think about this crap, about whether you think that, like, who the most improved, if they think Duncan Robinson is most improved this year right. or not. If you're susceptible to group think on that, it's like, you're not watching enough. If you, all you got to do is just be able to back up what you say, and it's fine. It doesn't matter to the degree that it should of be. Of course. Like, you should be able to make that public, and you should be held accountable if you really do something dumb that you can't back up. Right. Uh, and they should do that. But it's weird, the juxtaposition, that there's so much transparency yeah. in the way it should be with the awards voting. And then you have the Hall of Fame and saying, like, I don't know anything about it. And, like, we're the people who should know everything. Well, I mean, think about it. The more I think about it now, like, every September, the media included goes to fet these people who make the Hall of Fame. And we don't know the biases of the people who are putting them into the Hall of Fame. We don't even know who they are. And like we're like, okay, sure, yeah, they're Hall of Famers. Let's let's go, just call them that. And like, nobody knows anything about this. And the more I think, the more we talk about it, the weirder it is. We need an expose. All right, one follow up before we finish up: Are they Hall of Famers or are they Haulers of Fame? Haulers, Haulers of Fame, right? No, everyone says Hall of Famers. It's just one Hall, though. They have many fames, but there are multiple Haulers. They're in the halls of they're in the halls of fame, right? Like, because it's a building and so it has many halls. Actually, it's not a building. I don't know if you have you been there. I was there. I think two years ago when they inducted a few of the Nets people, Jason Kidd and Rod Thorne, 
And it's like a small hall of fame in this, um, in this kind of like strip mall off the side of the road and you come in and I'm sitting at a subway and I see Bill Russell come into it's the- a, It's a mall of fame. It's a mall of fame. It's a smaller fame. <laughs> that was my thing. It's just the weirdest thing. The basketball hall of fame is the weirdest thing. It's like next, it was next to, you know, a sub, it was literally adjacent to a subway and like a bookstore selling tchotchkes. And it's like, the sign is, uh, enter through this burger place, Hall of Fame behind it. That's weird. I don't know. That's, that's my thing. We really need to, the subway run the Hall of Fame? <laughs> anyway, Bradley Beal. Five guys Bradley Beal, all NBA. Yeah. Maybe. Who knows? We didn't really answer the question. I think we had a productive discussion. Uh, we had a good dialectic. That's really do, what we're trying to do. You do great work on the Knicks beat for the athletic. Um, anything to plug before we wrap up? I'm working on some stuff. Nothing yet. Um, I'll probably write off Frank Nilkin today. He played pretty well. 20 and 10. Yeah. Best, best night of his life. I'm still into Frank. I think he's going to be good. Or, yeah, going to be. He's 21. Yeah, he'll be good. Yeah, he's somehow 21. He's been around for 900 years. And he's 21 years old. Um, look out for a story on The Athletic tomorrow morning. Probably will be up by the time this podcast is posted, actually. So it'll probably already be there by the time you're listening to this. Just about the uh, the Wizards did a cool thing where Tommy Shepard did a, a Reddit AMA, mm-hmm. and which is an ask me anything for people who don't go on Reddit, where like fans can ask questions to Tommy Shepard, and he actually answered them in like a Q&A format. And at the end of it, as a way to say thank you, he posted a little link to say, hey, uh, here's some free tickets if you want them. And... Uh, a thousand people replied. Uh, they got two thousand people. They they blocked out. Um, what was it? They blocked out two thousand seats. And two seats per RSVP. They blocked out two thousand seats of just like free tickets. And uh, four hundred of the every four two thousand two thousand people RSVP'd. Four hundred ended up showing up to the game. I think a lot of people probably just thought like. This is probably terrible, but like they gave out like really good seats. Like there was an entire row of empty seats behind the Knicks bench. Was that given out? No, I don't think so. I doubt it was that one. But there was like there were people sitting like center court row H. Wow. Like yeah, that's pretty really nice for free. Yeah, it's killer. It's awesome. Get to see Bradley Beal drop forty. So I spoke to some of the fans there and kind of talked about the Tommy Shepard AMA and spoke to Tommy Shepard about the marketing strategy of the organization doing it and wanting to get people to come and see the team and wanting them to come back because the Wizards are, you know, bottom 10 in the league in, in attendance and percentage filling up the arena. And I'm sure they try and creative marketing things. And I thought that was an interesting thing. I'll have, I'll have a couple more pieces later in the week. Got something else coming out next week. I will have one more podcast in all likelihood later this week, which is not going to be a post-game one. It'll be uh, uh, just kind of a more overview episode i think i will probably do one of those on friday if i don't then i will be back uh wizards play in boston on friday night i won't be podcasting after that one but they play again at home on sunday i'll be podcasting after that one if you want to listen if you just happen to be listening to this episode and you're not subscribed to wizards after dark you can jump on itunes or wherever else you listen to podcasts you can subscribe there you can go on itunes you can give five stars to the show you can leave a review that's always very nice if you want to leave a good one and you want to give us a good rating um if you want to sign up for the athletic if you want to read mike's great work and my work 
and everybody else's great work and not just get Wizards coverage, but everything else. You can sign up for 40% off on an annual subscription, which comes out to about $36 for the entire year at theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark. Again, 40% off on an annual subscription that gets you everything at The Athletic at theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark. I'll be back either Friday midday or Mike's playing stuff now. He's he's out he's already. I have like two seconds left to go and you're I already ruined your whole outro. Ruined it. We gotta redo the whole podcast now. Okay. Um yeah, I'll be back either Friday or or maybe Monday morning. We'll see. Either way, talk to you guys then.